Welcome to episode 9 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Joe D'Aloisio here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome and a perfect day to join because it's a victory Monday. Follow me on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. Victory Monday, baby. The Packers take down the Cowboys 34-24, to 3-0 in my picks of the week, and we got a guest coming up. We got a special guest joining us a little bit later in the podcast, Bill Bender. He's a national college football writer for the Sporting News. He will join me to discuss the victory and the state of the Green Bay Packers, who now have improved to 4-1, two road games, Two road victories, a good way to bounce back after their loss at home against the Eagles. Now, some of you may be wondering, why the heck is a college football guy coming on the Sharp Cheddar podcast to break down the Packers? Well, Bill isn't the ordinary college football reporter. He's a guru. He's one of the best in the business when it comes to college football and covering that sport. However... Bill is also a cheesehead at heart, a huge Green Bay Packers guy, so he'll have plenty to say about the 4-1 Packers. So in a little bit, we'll hear from Bill, but first, let's jump right into Sunday's victory against the Dallas Cowboys. And I need to start with a little bit of an apology, because last week during the podcast, the preview podcast, which featured Roy White, from 105.3 The Fan out in Dallas. I had very, very little confidence in the Green Bay Packers heading into Dallas and coming out with a victory. I thought they would have a tremendous problem stopping Ezekiel Elliott. I thought the offense would struggle big time without Devontae Adams. And of course, I thought they would lose. I went 0 for 3 in that category because the offense played well, the defense stopped Zeke, and the Packers escaped Dallas with a victory. Now let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Who again, I thought no Devontae Adams, it's going to be a long day for Aaron Rodgers and this offense, but star of the match, the star of the building goes to Aaron Jones, who played phenomenal. He was on another level. In this matchup, the former UTEP guy comes back to the state of Texas, grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, and he proved that he was on a mission. Career high, 182 total yards, 100 plus on the ground, four scores, four touchdowns tying a Green Bay record. Aaron Jones was different. Aaron Jones was different. It seemed like the Cowboys could not bring this man down. His elusiveness, his shiftiness, that was on complete display in this victory. And this is exactly what Matt LaFleur wants. He wants Aaron Jones to get going. He, This offense will flourish when Aaron Jones or the running backs are playing at that next level. Now, can we expect Aaron Jones to do this on a consistent basis? I don't know. I think so, though. I mean, the guy has eight touchdowns. Top the NFL right now. But when Aaron Jones is averaging four-plus yards a carry, it opens up everything for the offense. 
But this team has been off to a great start, especially in the first quarter, outscoring all their opponents through five weeks, 42-3 to in the first quarter. They start off hot. They start off real well. And then it kind of fizzles, and we don't know where it goes from there. But overall, Aaron Jones, he needed to step up. Somebody on that offense needed to step up with the absence of Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones put it in his hands. The offensive line did a great job creating opportunities for Jones and made it happen. So kudos to Jones, kudos to that offensive line. The commander-in-chief, Aaron Rodgers now, 22 of 34, 238 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. The stats don't jump off the chart, but I thought he managed the game very well. And I thought he made some huge plays, escaping the pocket, avoiding tackles, avoiding the sack, keeping the play alive to extend drives. I thought he did an excellent job in that category. And I think he said it best after the game. Because Rodgers thought he played his best game of the season despite no touchdowns. His reasoning behind that was because how well he moved in the pocket and how he saw the field. So that's why Rodgers thought this was his best game. But this is what resonates with me from that response. Quote, I've accomplished a lot statistically in the league. I just want to win now. All right, this is coming from a guy who has one Super Bowl already, and he's hungry for another one. And he needs another one. And you want to hear that from Rodgers. You want to hear that from a guy who everybody thinks is all about himself. That hasn't been the case this season. I mean, look at the offensive numbers overall since week one. They scored 10 points, 21 points, 27 points, 27 points, 34 points. It's coming together. We knew it would take some time, and now it's starting to come together. Now, the one, there's two downfalls, though, with this. There's two things that's, that stick out to me still. Third down efficiency on the offensive side of the ball. 31%, 28th in the league. That's got to be better. There are way too many times that this team is going three and out. Quick drives, give momentum right back to the opposing team. That's got to improve. And secondly, even though the offense did well, Decent enough without Devontae Adams, this team desperately needs a number two wide receiver. Somebody needs to wake up and step up. Again, Aaron Jones stepped up in both categories, receiving and rushing. He was excellent. But this was a perfect opportunity for a guy like MVS, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumaro, somebody to get a little bit more involved in the offense, to come up big and prove to Aaron Rodgers that he could trust him Geronimo with a couple catches, with a couple drops as well. MVS, one catch. It still it still seems that Rodgers and MVS aren't on the same page a lot of the times. That timing isn't down. You know, we head into week six, and it, it really, this isn't a bad question to ponder. Should the Green Bay Packers trade for a wide receiver? Now, I'm not saying they need to go out and get someone like A.J. Green, who I am totally against given his age, the money, injury history. But do they need a second guy? I think the answer is yes. Because even when Devontae Adams is back, teams know that they have to defend him. Somebody else has to alleviate that pressure, make an impact on the offensive side of the ball 
So defenses could recognize that. Again, in that Eagles game, everyone knew Devontae Adams was getting the ball. The Eagles couldn't stop Devontae Adams until he got hurt. Devontae Adams stopped himself once he got hurt. But I think overall, somebody else needs to step up. And I don't know. I feel like I'm saying this every single week on the podcast. I don't know if Geronimo Allison is that guy. I don't know if MVS is that guy. I'm really starting to believe that Geronimo Allison isn't that guy. Because he is the one on this team that's been a, been around the longest. MVS will give him the benefit of the doubt, second-year player. Still getting accustomed to the NFL. But at this point, you would have thought you would have seen a little bit more from Geronimo, especially after you lose Randall Cobb. Perfect opportunity to make a statement, and he hasn't. So th- those are really the two flags that I have on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, the Packers took Zeke out of the game. I said it last week. It was pretty obvious. If you're going to lose this game, make Dak have the game of his life. You cannot afford to let Zeke run for 100, 200 yards, two scores, and key- and take advantage of this game. And the, and the Packers' defense did a wonderful job of making sure Zeke didn't go wild. 12 carries, 62 yards, and one score. And part of that may be because of the fact that Green Bay got off to such a hot start that they had to abandon the run. But still, they put pressure, they stacked the box, and told Dak he needs to throw the ball if they want to win the game. And they forced Dak to throw. But more importantly, the Packers were able to get after him. They were able to put pressure collect sacks, and force turnovers. Three interceptions yesterday. Two things that they couldn't do against the Eagles. Zero sacks, zero turnovers. Completely different game against the Cowboys. Three sacks, three interceptions. It makes a huge difference. Sticking with the defensive side of the ball, though, we've been talking about the attitude, the swagger, the tenacity, the intensity of the secondary, Jari Alexander, Kevin King, both who end up with interceptions. But I think Jari struggled at times yesterday. Big time. Amari Cooper, 11 receptions, 226 yards, one touchdown. Michael Gallup, 7 receptions, 113 yards, one touchdown. Both of these wide receivers had huge plays for the Cowboys. Huge plays. Jari's first pick, he was beat. Dak threw that ball behind, I believe it was Cooper. He couldn't hold on to it. But Jari was beat there. That was going to be another big play for Dallas. Early in the game. Which could have switched the momentum big time. Again, both of them. Kevin King as well. Getting beat. Attacking Michael Gallup. Forcing an interception late. If you're going to talk the talk, you got to back it up. And I'm not saying they're going to be perfect on on every single play. No. But you saw some deficiencies there. And that, you know, you could give them the benefit of the doubt because Green Bay was dominating the game. They go in a prevent zone. They get a little lazy. They have a little leeway. There's no way they're coming back. But Dallas came back. That was Dallas put themselves in a situation where if they make that field goal, they just got to get an onside kick and score a touchdown. They put themselves in a situation to come back, and it should have never got that close. That's what it comes down to. It should have never got that close. But regardless, Green Bay escapes comfortably, 10-point lead, 10-point win. Should have been more, 34-24, and they improved to 4-1 to and one on the season. Couple, couple injury notes. 
Zadarius Smith, he was in and out of the game. He went to the ground a few times with a knee injury that he's been nursing for a while now. That's something to keep an eye out for. Corey Lindsley, he exited with a concussion. Robert Tanyan, by the way, him and Rodgers, that one connection that they had, holy smokes, was that a hell of a play on both ends for both of them. He hurt his hip. Rashawn Gary comes in, goes out, gets hurt, comes back in, gets a roughing, a pa- roughing the passer penalty. When Dak Prescott escaped the pocket, literally was called for a roughing the passer penalty because he tapped Dak's helmet. By the way, the officiating in yesterday's game on both sides of the ball was absolutely horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. So many flags, so many calls, so many delays. It really takes away from the game big time. There was points of, uh, in that game where I was like, I- I'm about to shut this off. This is brutal. I don't know how that's a roughing the passer. Mind you, he's out of the pocket, but uh, you-, you can't do anything to a quarterback now in the NFL. And Darnell Savage, he exited the game with an ankle injury, but according to Ra- uh, Ian Rappaport, he's fine. He should be all right. So the Packers are starting to get banged up, but it seems right now that nothing too serious. But that's something to keep an eye out on because... This is not a deep roster. This is not a deep roster. Injuries are starting to pile up. Plenty of football left. But definitely a great way to bounce back for the Green Bay Packers. They needed they needed a bounce back strongly after that sour loss. That was a tough loss against the Eagles. And they did just that. And now they have a little bit of extra time. Back in action Monday night against the Detroit Lions. Back at home. And that'll be a great game. That'll be a great test for Detroit as well. Are they for real? Will they be competing for this division? But again, all that matters is they leave Dallas with another win. And now people are starting to say, hey, I think we could pencil in the Packers as one of the top teams in the NFC. All right, let's see how the rest of the NFL did in week five. Time for my weekly headlines. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals, who go on the road and get their first win of the season. Over the terrible Bengals, 26-23. Congratulations to Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury, they both get their first win at the next level. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. 14-7. They take down the Tennessee Titans on the road to improve to 4-1. Josh Allen, who was in concussion protocol, he was ready for the game. He comes out, he plays two TDs, they win. Let's head over to London. First game of the season in London and early on it was all Oakland they jumped out to a 17-0 start but the Bears rolled back the Bears came back they scored 21 points in the third quarter to take a 21-17 lead but it wasn't enough Josh Jacobs and the Oakland Raiders hold on score a late touchdown they win 24-21 the Saints baby no no Drew Brees no problem for these Saints they take down the Bucks 31-24. Teddy Bridgewater with something else. 314 yards, four scores. Let's bring it to MetLife where the Giants had no life and no answer for Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook. Cousins throws for two touchdowns. Both of those touchdowns to Adam Thielen who had over 100 yards receiving. And they couldn't stop Dalvin Cook who was running all over the place, barreling through defenders. Another 100-plus yard performance for him. 132 yards on the ground. They kicked down the Giants relatively easily. 28-10. to 10. But hey, the Giants had plenty of opportunities there to get back into the game, and they couldn't. They weren't able to. 
Jets and Eagles, woof. Another brutal performance by the New York Jets, and nobody is surprised as the Eagles win 31-6. And, oh, by the way, the Eagles had 10 sacks. Yeah, that Jets offensive line, putrid. You better make sure Sam Darnold's spleen is completely fine before he comes back. Otherwise, there could be a bigger situation on the field. Ravens-Steelers, scary situation in this game. Mason Rudolph gets knocked out. Third-string quarterback, Delvin Hodges comes in. Played pretty decent. The game goes into OT. He hits Juju Smith, but Juju fumbles. Ravens recover. Matt Stover nails the game winner in OT. Ravens win 26-23. The Mason Rudolph stuff was scary, though. He gets hit hard. He looks like he's already knocked out before he even hits the ground. And he hits the ground hard. I mean, they had to remove his face mask. It, it was really scary. But the Steelers, man, they can't catch a break. Going on to their third quarterback this year. Rough one. The Patriots improved to 5-0. and That's a shocker. They destroy Washington 33-7. And, oh, by the way, the, Red, the Redskins fire Jay Gruden. It's about time. And for the Patriots, man, they just continue to dominate. And one thing nobody's talking about, really, their defense, they're not giving up points at all. And can you name a player other than Stephon Gilmore on that defensive unit that's like, wow, pro ball caliber or has been so good in years past? Not really. And that's what's most impressive about this team. The Panthers, they take down the Jags 34-27. Kyle Allen has been solid playing the starter, the starting role for Cam Newton. But Christian McCaffrey, this man is the best running back in the NFL. He's different. 237 total yards, three scores, two on the ground, one in the air. He does it all. His ability to run the ball and catch the ball is just different. He is by far the top back in the National Football League. I think the Texans are still scoring. They took down the 1-4 Falcons. 53-32. Watson had a field day, man. Deshaun Watson threw for 426 yards and five scores. Unbelievable day and a good way to bounce back for the Houston Texans. Broncos take down the Chargers 20-13. Cortland Sutton, MVP of the game. Four receptions, 92 yards, including a 70-yard touchdown strike. Cortland Sutton, he's special. He's Sutton. And for the first time in a long time, we wrap things up with the Kansas City Chiefs. And usually I'm talking about how Patrick Mahomes is a video game. Patrick Mahomes actually looked human in the Sunday night game against the Colts. And he struggled. And Indy came out with the victory 19-13. Kudos to Frank Wright and Jacoby Brissett. Because if you would have told me that this team would be playing as competitive as they are, I would have told you you're nuts, especially after Andrew Luck decides to leave. So they're doing a great job and making things work post-Andrew Luck. All right, coming up next, Bill Bender, National College football writer for the Sporting News. He will join me next to talk all things Packers. Go Pack! Go! To the hotline we go. Let's welcome in Bill Bender. He is a national college football writer for the Sporting News. But when he isn't watching college football, he has his eyes on the Green Bay Packers. You could give him a follow on Twitter, at BillBender92. Bill, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was tense yesterday in the Bender house, knowing that uh, my wife's a big Cowboys fan, Joe. Okay, so how did you watch that game? Were you in the same room, or were you in separate rooms? Because my, brother, my brother's a Cowboys fan, and we aren't even close to each other when it comes to our two teams. 
uh, playing against each other? Oh, we survived the Dez game a few years ago. So once we were able to do that, I think uh, it made it easier. Yesterday wasn't easy for Kimberly because they got off to such a bad start. And then the second half wasn't – I was probably the one that was a little unglued just because of how they blew the lead a little bit. So – but, yeah, we survived. We're good. We'll move on to probably the next playoff matchup, hopefully. Well, I think if you could survive the Dez game watching that together, you could survive anything. So that, that it could only get better from here. But let's start with yesterday's win. And like you mentioned, Green Bay was able to hold off Dallas in that late comeback. But heading into this game, what was your confidence level with the Packers, especially playing without Devontae Adams, who's been pretty much their only playmaker on that side of the ball? Not great, honestly. I, You know, I kind of, I don't know if you do this, I kind of, when I go through the Packers schedule, I kind of chalk up dubs and L's and, and try to get to 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five if I have to cheat a little bit. And this was kind of one that I had probable L just because without Devontae, without the, the way the run defense looked against Philly and knowing that Dallas ran the ball well early when this was still a game, I was a little leery early, um, but the turnover certainly helped. And and I guess, you know, I didn't minimize. I know Aaron Rodgers has a track record of beating the Cowboys that he upheld yesterday, and I thought their aggressive play calling early on offense was very commendable. They called a good game. Now, I was not aware that you played the uh, schedule game preseason. Compared to where the Packers are right now, how does that match up to what you thought they would be heading into the season? So I had him losing to the Bears, winning the next. No, I, I had him winning the next two. I think I'm at him at two and two after four, and then two and three, and then three and three after. So I had him chalk up beating the Lions. I, I think I had him five and three at the midpoint. So if they can, like the way I play it is, if they can be six and two after eight, and this was a big game in getting them there. They'll be in good shape, and I think the way I kind of see it down the second half of the season, this looks like a 10 or 11 win team, and that should, even though the NFC is pretty loaded, Joe, like there are 11 teams in the NFC right now that are three and two or better. So that's why yesterday was so important. It puts them each week, you're, you're one step up the ladder and getting a little bit of help with the Bears losing to Oakland. Through five weeks, what are your initial thoughts here on Matt LaFleur? I think he learned from the Eagles' loss because that was the game they could have easily had. Uh, they got chopped up on the run. The red zone play calling was bad. We all went through that. Um, that was only that. Like I don't know how you. I know would love to watch a game with you sometimes, but you kind of sense something. I sensed about the middle of the second quarter they were going to lose that game because they couldn't stop the run. Oh, one hundred percent. Right. You know when they when Philly started cutting them up with Miles Sanders, I was like, this, this is going to be a bad night. You know, there was um, a part of me, honestly, Bill, yesterday, late in that game where I thought, hey, if we don't get a stop here, or we don't get some first downs, then it it could go the other way. I mean, Dallas was right there at the end. And I think that's the next evolution of the defense. That has been better, but, you know, especially with Zadarian Smith and Preston Smith really be emerging, not just as edge rushers, but team leaders, that, you know, that they're They've got to develop that last instinct, though, that, that knock them out. And that's what they didn't do yesterday. It's what they didn't do against Philly. And um, we'll see if they can do that against Detroit. I'm I'm more leery of that Detroit game than maybe I should be. But it's just because Detroit's quietly won a couple in Lambeau now. That's not going to scare them as much as it used to. 
And for the fact that I thought going into this season that Detroit was probably the weakest team in this division. And then you look around and you see how Chicago's been playing and, you know, the inconsistency with Mitch Trubisky and then the inconsistencies with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. So, I mean, could Detroit really be the Packers' biggest competition in this division? Could be. I mean, I think the way they played the Chiefs, they could have won that game. This is a big separation game. Because you win that one, you get a little more separation from them in the division. Keep in mind that Detroit did beat Philly, did take Kansas City to the limit, did beat the Chargers. So they've beat some decent teams that made the playoffs um, last year. And, and that's something to keep in mind with Matt Patricia. I think the Bears are just in a little bit of an interesting spot. I think I, if you're asking me which team I'm most scared of at, at, with Green Bay, probably still the Bears because of that defense. So as, as many games as they're going to lose with Chase Daniel, that's why I think yesterday I was kind of like that meant just as much as beating the Cowboys for the Raiders to beat the Bears. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's head back to that game in Dallas, though, because one guy who had uh, a career day was Aaron Jones, both on the ground and catching the ball. Talk about how important it is for Jones' overall set success especially in this offense how important he is to this offensive group it jumped out early that they had the running game going uh because when they, this is what aaron Rodgers needs like we all focus on the highlight reel throws and the things that aaron Rodgers has spoiled us with over the years you know these like the throw to tanyan yesterday you're just like wow how, how can he do that and but what's more important for this team and what he's embraced so far is i mean I don't care that Aaron Rodgers only had 10 fantasy points. I don't think he cares because Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones had four touchdowns and ran all over Dallas. And, and the defense set him up with some turnovers. This team has to have a running game and a defense to be a Super Bowl team. And they're getting there. That was impressive how Aaron Jones really got going in the run game yesterday. That was the most important development by far. And, and he was good at it. And one thing that – Rogers said post game that really stood out to me was the fact that hey I have a ton of statistical records in the NFL I want to win championships now so I think coming from a guy that um, is under a lot of scrutiny and is is the is the guy who always needs to make the plays to have to be able to depend on someone like Aaron Jones and depend on a defense is is really important for him. Yeah, and, and Aaron Jones was uh, available in the receiving game too, and that was huge with Dante out. He kind of pick that up there i thought you know they the the scantling pass interference was huge even though i thought that one was close yeah i know he ran into him but it was close because he got beat but scantling played well and even though his numbers weren't there i mean and then when they get Devontae adams back in theory and they that was huge that they didn't have to rush him back you know what i mean like they could, maybe he could have played yesterday but he wouldn't have been 100 percent and could have aggravated something you mentioned Scantling. Are you convinced that he is a number two wide receiver in Green Bay, or is that still a weak spot? You know, between him and Allison, they're going to do what they do and try to make do with what they've got there. Um, yeah, I, you, you know I'm based in Ohio, so when I hear A.J. Green trade rumors, I kind of like, can they do that before New England does? But, uh, uh, you know, because I just don't want to see A.J. Green go to the Patriots. But, I think that's something to watch. If they, it would be like the go for it move. And I always go back to the Super Bowl 31 year, the go for it move at that time because they were receiver thin. 
was to go get Andre Risen and, and who caught the first touchdown in the Super Bowl that year? It was Andre Risen. And I know that's a dated reference, but it, it does remind me that if some if there's a point in the season where they feel like they need to go get another one, I mean AJ Green would be a pretty good one. Or would you be for the Packers trading for AJ Green? Uh, it depends on what they'd give up. I, I mean I, I think AJ Green's one of the best underrated elite receivers in the league, but you have to know I mean the injury was pretty serious to keep him out this long so i i don't know if you can wait and see to to see if he's healthy and i'm not trying to start trade rumors here i'm just thinking if they wanted to do that and then i guess the other part is they could get st brown back soon he wasn't out for that much longer right so they may get him back and when he gets back maybe he can step in and fill that void but because i do think they need another receiver in that offense to be consistent. And and it's not saying Kumaro and Shepard can't do it, but, I mean, St. Brown's a little bit bigger target who's had some success already. It can't be all good for this team despite the 4-1 and one, the four and one start. What would you say is the weakest part of this team right now? Well, I think, you know, like that killer instinct, like I said, I mean, the Vikings came back in their game. The uh, The Cowboys did come back yesterday, and, yeah, it was a little tense there when you're thinking, man, are they really going to blow a three-touchdown lead in this game? And, and that thought was there. And I think psychologically it was huge for them to win that. Run defense is going to be the big thing, though. I mean, because when that was a game early, Dallas was able to get what they wanted. And, you know, Detroit will run the football on them. They've still got to play Kansas City here in a few weeks. And I just think that would be the things that I would look for. And just Matt LaFleur getting experience. I mean – Yesterday was a big game for the Packers on the national stage. You and I both know how many of those they've whiffed on over the last few years. So for them to go down there and make that statement, yeah, they're one of the best teams in the NFC along with the Saints and the, uh, you know, the Rams. Or, or, and I know they've lost a couple. Who, who's the other 4-1 team I'm leaving out? I, well, the Niners. The Niners, yeah. Yeah, the Niners play tonight. And, yeah, we know how that rivalry goes dating back to the 90s. That'd be a lot of fun if it, if it was 49ers and Packers at the end of the road. I mean, I'm going to be honest, Bill. This is the first time in a long time that I'm watching this Packers team. I'm excited to watch the defense. And there's just there's just a swagger, a confidence, and an attitude that I've never seen. And I, I don't know. Could you tell me maybe the last time you remember a defensive unit or just an entire team come together like that we've seen so far with them? When they had Collins at safety. Like, when he was hurt, their defense hasn't been the same since. And I was at the game against Carolina when he was hurt. And I think, you know, when they had Collins, Woodson, a secondary, a run defense, and Matthews when he was younger, yeah, those teams that the one, the one that won the Super Bowl and then the one the next year that went 15-1, and I'm not saying they're as good as that team that was 15-1 and offensively because it's hard to replicate that. But if it's just a grind-it-out, win-games-type team, this is what John Elway had late in his career in Denver. They ran the football, and they played defense, and Elway was a Hall of Fame game manager. And I'm not calling Aaron Rodgers a game manager. I'm just saying, like you said, he said statistics don't matter. He wants to win, and this is the best formula for Green Bay right now. Bill, I can't have you on without asking you a single college football question. So week, <laughs> se- week seven bowl predictions, who, do your, who are your four teams in the college football playoff? We've got it pretty vanilla still. I still think it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and we have Oklahoma for now. Um, but that second SEC team could wiggle in there. And, I mean, it's, it's a case where you better win them all. And, uh, 
You know what I mean? Like, it might take unbeat to get in because once you lose one, the committee does what the committee wants. Is there, a, is there a team that you think could possibly sneak in that not a lot of people are talking about or not as high-profiled as the four that you just mentioned? Are you trying to get me to say Wisconsin? I mean... I, I'm not, but do you think <laughs> they, there's a chance? I, I think they and Penn State will challenge Ohio State. The fact that was, the only thing that's bad for Wisconsin is they're going to have to do it twice probably. Because, you know, you can go into Columbus and beat them, and then you got to do it again in Indy, and that's going to be really tough to do. So... It would depend on the split. Like, so I guess Wisconsin could theoretically lose in Columbus as long as they keep it close, beat them in Indy, and have a chance. And I think there is that chance with their run game, and they just need to continue to get more out of Jack Tone to make that possible. Check out all of Bill's work on the Sporting News. He does a great job covering college football, and he's a cheesehead at heart. Follow him on Twitter, <laughs> at BillBender92. Hey, Bill, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Special thanks again to Bill Bender, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. When he isn't watching college football, he is definitely watching the Green Bay Packers. Go give him a follow at BillBender92. Well, that'll wrap up this edition of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Remember, you can listen on SoundCloud. You could listen on Spotify. You could listen on Stitcher. Just search the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. We will be back later in the week to preview the Packers' next matchup against the Detroit Lions. But for now, thank you so much for listening, and as always, Go Pack Go!